Psalms, the 32nd chapter. That's where I'd like to read to you from. And we'll also read from the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. Psalms, chapter 32, and the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. Praise the Lord. We'll read from Psalms 32 to begin with, and then we'll turn on over to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28. <clears throat> Amen. Praise God. One verse of scripture in Psalm chapter 32, verse 1. The Bible said, and this is a psalm of David. The Bible said, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. A lot of books being written, sermons being preached, things being talked about and taught around the church on how to be blessed. The Bible just told us. The blessed man, the blessed woman is that person whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. Praise God. How many is feeling blessed here this morning? Praise God. I'm feeling blessed. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 28. We'll just read one verse of scripture from there as well. Proverbs chapter 28. Just after the book of Psalms, you'll find the book of Proverbs 28th chapter Verse 13, the Bible said, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. He that covereth his sins, that person that hides them, that refuses to deal with them, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. You can't find a happy place. When you're sinning and trying to hide it. When you're sinning and trying to cover it up. There's no prosperity. There's no level place. There's, there's no place of contentment. Our Sunday school teacher told us this morning. His air conditioners tore up. Cars on the fritz. All these things he named off as just calamity after calamity after calamity. And I watched him teaching that Sunday school class. Had a big smile on just about the whole hour. Come on, say amen. Praising God, glorifying God just about the whole hour. Listen, when your sins are covered by the blood of Jesus, you can be happy like that. Hot air, cold air. Full belly, empty belly. Bills on time, bills behind. Money in the bank, empty bank. You can be happy, happy, happy. Come on, say amen. Because the Lord's on your side. And you know it ain't always going to be like this. But there's no prosperity when you cover your sin. When you hide your sin. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You've probably noticed the correlation in these two verses already. I want to talk to you on two words very simply. Sins covered. Sins covered. Praise God. Would you lift your hands and pray? And ask the Holy Ghost to walk among us and help us. Amen. Turn around shake two or three of your neighbor's hands while you're being seated. Welcome them to a Holy Ghost service. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Good to see new faces, folks I've never seen before. I appreciate seeing new people in the house of God on a Sunday morning. God got to dealing with me about this. Uh, actually, back in March, God got to talking to me 
about this and that it, God began to develop it in my heart and I began to pray about it and seek the face of God about it. Sin is one of those subjects that's not talked about very much in a lot of our Pentecostal churches. There's a lot of emphasis put on blessing and healing and miraculous events taking place and there's a time and there's a place for all of that and I'm, I'm listen, I'll be the first one to get in line and say that I should be the man who strives to give every congregation I stand in front of the whole counsel of God. Now I'm for healing and I'm for victory and I'm for running and shouting and dancing and being blessed and being, being, uh, getting light, getting your loads lifted in the presence of God. But it seems like as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, there's a move on among many of our Pentecostal churches not to talk about sin, not to mention sin anymore. But I'll tell you something, sin, if the church is against anything at all, the church ought to be against sin. Come on, say amen. If there's anything in this world that God hates, the Bible makes it clear that God hates sin in all of its various forms, in all of its uh, various features and characteristics. God despises sin. As a matter of fact, sin is the very reason that Christ came into the world. Amen. The Bible said he came to save his people from their sin. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, because Adam and Eve rebelled and sinned against God, death and sin passed upon all mankind. The Bible said that Christ came to seek and to save that which is lost. Those who were trapped, those who were stuck, those who were willfully disobedient to God and living their life for sin. Hallelujah. Sin's a terrible thing and I I'd like to make it just as ugly as I could this morning shake somebody out of their lethargy and out of their sleepiness sin. Amen. Listen, there's something there's something good that I can say about sin. There's a positive uh, point that I can preach about sin this morning. I'd like to tell you on the authority of the Word of God that there's nothing except sin that can ever separate you from the presence and the love of God. Hallelujah. Sin is the only force known to man that can come in between you and God. Well, that's shouting ground. I like that. I appreciate that. Amen. I'm glad because I'm a tig that does not eliminate the possibility of me coming to God. I'm glad because I'm a white man that does not hinder me from being able to come to God because of the, the, the way that I talk or the texture of my hair that does not hinder me from coming to God there's only one force known to man only one power under God's good heaven that can keep humanity from God and sin is the blame hallelujah sin has the authority and it has the power to separate men from God Isaiah taught us this in the book of Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 2 he told his generation
generation, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Come on now. Amen. Over in the New Testament book of John, they come to Jesus after he had been working miracles in front of them and they said, for we know that God heareth not sinners. Come on now. Amen. Isaiah said, sin and iniquity have come in between you and your God. Sin has built up a partition, a wall, if you please, between you and God and it has caused him to hide his face from you that he will not hear. I guess for the next hour I could probably preach to you on that one verse in Isaiah 59 and verse 2 about the awfulness of sin. Listen church, sin is a terrible thing. Sin is an awful thing. Amen. Listen, sin is taken so lightly by so many in our generation. And I know, listen, I, 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 I believe in putting a label on the bottle. We ought to label sin and call it for what it is. But I also know that there's, a, there's another group among us. Just about everything sin. Just about everything is wrong. Amen. When we speak of sin in our generation and our society, people take it so lightly. There's one side that takes it to the extreme and there's another side in our society that laugh at the preaching against sin. They mock about the preaching against sin. Let me tell you what the Bible said in the book of Proverbs 14 and 9. The Bible said fools make a mock at sin. Come on now. Sin's an awful thing. It's a terrible thing. Hey church, don't ever lose sight of the awfulness of sin. Amen. The depravity of sin. Just how terrible sin is. It's a foolish man that mocks. It's a foolish woman that mocks when the preacher preaches against sin. Amen. But I wanted to know with all of these different opinions. You know, I, I preach in, I live in North Carolina, so of course I preach there. South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, all the way, uh, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, all the way out, you know, Texas, Oklahoma, all the way to California and back. And I've, I've come, listen, all, way up north, we've been to Connecticut, Indiana, all up through there, Ohio, all them uh, northern places up there, a lot of them. And I've come to realize that every little group, every little clique among our Pentecostal people has its own little idea or its own little definition of what they think sin is. Come on now. I want you to understand we've got to get the answers from the Bible. The Bible must be our road map. The Bible must be our rule for living. The Bible's going to have the last say in the end. Can you say amen? The Bible's what's going to judge us in the end. Come on and help me somebody. So we must get our definition for sin from the Bible. Bible. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. For sin is a transgression of the law. Hallelujah. That's fancy King James English that just simply means this. Anything we do to break the law of God, that is sin in the eyes of God. Anytime we walk over top of the word of God, anytime we break the commandments 
servants of God. Listen, God has his top 10, but there's just not 10 folks. That book is filled with thou shalt and thou shalt not. Come on, say amen. Anything we do to break any of the commandments of God, it is sin as far as God is concerned. But wait a minute, John tightens it down a little bit tighter than that in 1 John 5 and 17. He said, all unrighteousness is sin. Come on now. Amen. Listen, we know anything that's wicked, anything that's evil, we understand that's sin. But the Bible said all unrighteousness is sin. Anything that's not right, anything that's not holy, anything that's not virtuous, John called it sin. And you know what the proverb writer said in Proverbs 14 and 34? He said, sin is a reproach unto any people. But this generation that we're living in here in America, sin has become appetizing to so many. And it has be, become this, uh, this, all of this technology that we have has made sin so easily accessible. Come on now. Huh? We, we, can, we can get it. Listen, from the time Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, sin has always been on planet earth. Huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, sin has always been on planet earth since that time. Uh, but now it seems like it's became so accessible and so acceptable to many in this generation, especially in the church here in America. We've lost sight that it's sin that sends men to hell. It's sin that sends women to hell. It's sin that separates humanity from God. Sin, even though it has become so acceptable and so accessible, we must remember how deceitful sin is. Listen, folks, you cannot afford to pet it. You can't afford to pamper it. You cannot afford to make a pet out of it. Come on now. You cannot give it place in your life. You know why? Sin will take you further than you want to go. And it will keep you longer than you want to stay. And it will cost you more than you're able to pay. You know what the Bible said in Romans 6 and 23? The Bible said, for the wages of sin is death. Come on now. There's a payday at the end of life's road. You can live your life for sin while you're here, but you're going to pay for it after a while. And the price is going to be death. Not only physical death, but spiritual death in the lake of fire that burns with brimstone throughout all eternity. You can thumb your nose at God. You can live your life any way you want to live it. Amen. You can live it up, drink it up, smoke it up, snort it up. Come on now. You can swap husbands, swap wives, fornicate. Come on, say amen. You can dance in the honky tonk. You can boogaloo at the club. But after a while, you're going to stand before the maker of all the universe. And this book's going to be open. And another book. Come on, say amen. Which is the book of life. And you're going to be judged. You're going to be judged, every one of us. It's going to stand before God someday. And we're going to be judged. Amen. Let's talk about sins covered. Sin's a terrible thing. It's an awful thing. And man has a tendency. We're prone to try and cover our sin up 
We're prone to try and deal with it ourselves. I mentioned Adam and Eve already. You've heard it and heard it and heard it and I've talked about it over and over. Genesis the third chapter, they're tempted. They yield to the temptation and they sin against God. When they sinned, immediately their eyes were open. They were naked and they became conscious of their rebellion, conscious of their disobedience, conscious of their sin. And they were ashamed. And then the Bible said in Genesis 3 and verse 8 that the voice of God came walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He was crying out for Adam and Eve. But the Bible said they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. You know why they hid? They knew they broke his commandment. Amen. They knew they broke his law. He put a tree in the midst of that garden that bore the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said you can eat from every tree except that one. Amen. Guess which tree they ate from? They ate from the wrong tree. They broke the law of God. They transgressed. And listen to what they did. The Bible said they took their hands and sewed together fig leaves and made themselves aprons. And then they came and presented themselves before God and God said why, why did you do that why, why have you been hiding why have you covered yourself up we were naked that's what they said and we were ashamed God said who told you you was naked come on say amen to me somebody amen listen they tried with their own hands to cover up their sin to cover up their shame you can't be good enough to get to heaven folks You've got to be washed in the blood of Jesus. You've got to come under the fountain, amen, that flows from Emmanuel's veins. You've got to get born again. You've got to let old things pass away. You've got to turn your back on sin. You've got to walk away from the world. Amen, you've got to turn toward God and trust him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to trust him with your eternal soul. And then you've got to live for him. Come on, say amen. He's the one that does the work. We cannot do it. God made them coats of skins, the Bible said, and clothed them. You can do wrong. You can sin. You can do anything you want to. You can hide it from Brother Teague. You can hide it from your Sunday school teacher. You can hide it from your wife. You can hide it from your husband. You can hide it from the person sitting on the pew right beside of you. But there's no hiding it from God. God's looking at you. God's watching you. Come on, say amen. God's keeping a record. Listen to what the Bible said. The Bible said in Proverbs 15 and 3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Woo, that's sobering, ain't it? The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Whew. Every thought I think Every, every motivation on the inside of me, God knows it. Huh? Uh, every time I misstep, misspeak, every time I commit sin, God sees it. He's beholding it. You can't do wrong and get by. Huh? Oh, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Bible said in the book of Galatians chapter 6, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hallelujah. Whatever we sow, we sow to the wind, we're going to reap the whirlwind. If we sow to the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But if we sow to the spirit, we shall reap life everlasting. Praise God. That's what I'm after. I said that's what I'm after. Hallelujah. That's what I'm looking for. Amen. Oh God, listen, this has got to be more than just church. This has got to be more than just Sunday morning cruising through to make your conscience feel a little better. It's got to be more, amen, than not being saved, just coming sitting on the pew occupying space, just so you can tell somebody, I go to Bethel, holding this church, that's my church down there, amen, it's got to be more than that, God's not pleased with religion, he's looking for relationship, he wants to walk with you, talk with you, he wants to lead you and guide you and direct you, he wants to deliver you from sin and set you free from its grip. He wants to put you in the grip of his grace. Amen. So that he'll be the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Oh, lift both your hands and praise the Lord if you believe me here. Hallelujah. The problem, listen. James 1 and 14, the Bible said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death you get to looking you get to longing amen you get to looking in the wrong direction you get to longing for the wrong things I don't have a whole lot of time here this morning I I remember reading the book of 2 Samuel I believe it's 2 Samuel the 11th chapter about David and Bathsheba David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was another man's wife and David stole her away because he saw her washing herself one evening over in the privacy of her own courtyard. David went up to the roof or the uh, the top of the palace and he was walking, laying on his bed in the evening. Evidently he was restless. He got up and took a walk on the rooftop of the palace. He could see down over his neighbor's wall and he saw his neighbor's wife, beautiful woman named Bathsheba, bathing herself there. Come on now. He laid down with her. He sent for her, laid down with her. She became expecting. And uh, one thing led to another. He had he had her husband put to death on the battlefield. He brought her into the palace and made her another one of his wives. Amen. Anybody remember what sin is? What is the Bible definition of sin? Anybody remember anything we do to break any of the laws of God? For sin is a transgression of the law. Anybody remember what number 10 of the top 10 says? God's 10 commandments in part number 10 reads like this thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife David broke number 10 anybody remember what number 7 said thou shalt not commit adultery come on now David broke number 7 anybody remember what number 6 said thou shalt not kill amen 3 out of 10 David's guilty of you know what happened amen God sent Nathan the prophet to the palace 
and he told David, I've seen your sin. I've seen, I know what you've done. Thou art the man. And before it was over with, there was a funeral taking place at the palace. Come on and help me somebody. He that covereth his sin shall not prosper. You can continue to participate in it. You can make out like no one knows. I read about a man named Achan. They went over the wall in the city of Jericho when the walls fell flat down. Joshua told them before they conquered the city, don't take anything out of the city. It all belongs to God. Leave it alone. But while Achan was plundering through the city, he saw a wedge of gold. Babylonian garment. And he saw some shekels of silver. And he took them, and he took them to his tent, and he digged a hole under the floor of the tent, and he hid them there. Huh? The next battle took place in Ai. 36 Israelis lost their life because of one man's sin. It affected the whole camp. I don't have time to preach all that. But I want to tell you something. Achan thought his sin was covered. He covered it himself. He dug the hole. He covered it back up. He made sure nobody was watching him when he took the forbidden things. Huh? Oh, but God saw him. You can't hide it from God, Achan. You can't dig deep enough to hide it where God can't see it. It ain't never dark enough outside that God can't see you. Come on, say amen. You can't, you can't find a hole deep enough to crawl in and sin where God cannot see you. Come on, say amen. Achan, Achan was uh, saw by God. God saw him. God watched him. Amen. And it, he had to suffer the consequences. To make a long story a little shorter, at the end of the story, Achan is stoned. Achan's wife is stoned to death. His children are stoned to death in a rock pile. Come on now, outside of the camp. When they stone them until they die, they dig them out of the rubble. They, they uncover, listen, a million, probably nearly a million people standing with rocks in their hand. There's a pile of rocks now where Achan and his family and his horses and his camels and his donkeys and his sheep, everything's dead up under a rock pile, but that wasn't enough. You know what God said? God said God wanted them to understand just how terrible sin and disobedience really is. Dig them out from under that rock pile. God said set it all on fire and burn it. Come on now. Israel's gathered around. They dug them out of the rock pile and they set them on fire. They had to stand there and watch them burn. You know what God told them to do next? He said pile them rocks back up on top of them for a memorial. Come on, say amen. He wanted everybody in that camp to understand, amen, that the wages of sin is death. Hallelujah. Oh, Achan told Joshua, when I saw it, I coveted it and I took it. Come on now. Sin was to blame. I said sin was to blame. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Here's the problem. Sin has affected everybody in this building. The problem is we all have sinned. Well, I figured I'd get a little better response from the church when I said that. We all have 
committed sin. That's right. Bible's clear about it in Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Very clear crystal in Romans 3 and 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Romans 5 and 12, wherefore is but one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Come on, say amen. Huh? God is holy. As a matter of fact, the Bible said God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Hey, if you've sinned, if you're sinning, you cannot be in God. He is light and in him is no darkness at all. Beginning with the Ten Commandments, God set his law for creation to obey. Come on now. Hey Amen. Them ten was the first ones to come down. Uh, but there's been a lot more handed down from God since them first ten. And the whole universe has to obey the laws of God and James said in James chapter 2 and verse 10 uh, he told us that if we break one of the laws of God uh, we are guilty of breaking them all come on now uh, boy it's sobering isn't it to understand uh, that we're all guilty uh, we're all guilty before God uh, that's the problem listen there's none righteous uh, there's none pure enough uh, none holy enough uh, out Side of the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's the problem. But what's the solution? The Bible told us that the man is blessed whose transgression is forgiven and whose sin is covered. But it also said, He that covereth his sin shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. The only way to deal with sin is to get real in the presence of God. He knows you anyway. He saw you when you done it. But you got to come before him in humility. And you got to rely upon him to forgive you and wash you and cleanse you. Come on, say amen. Joining a church is not enough. Just walking down to the front, it's not enough. You've got to confess your sin and you've got to forsake them if you're going to have mercy. you got to confess you must forsake, but God makes it so easy, don't he? Isaiah, the first chapter, God speaks through the prophet and he said, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as white as wool. Man, what a wonderful God. He knows how dirty I I am how wicked. He knows my rebellious streak. And he said, just come to me. C come here, let's, let's reason together. I'm going to wash you. I'm going to take that sin nature out of you. That want to, that overwhelming desire that you have to sin, I'm going to remove it. I'm going to take out your old wicked heart. And I'm going to put a clean heart in you. And I'm going to put my spirit in you. And I'm going to help you to live for me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I really do. I think God wants to help somebody in this service this morning. I want you to understand how easy this is. In Psalms 103 and verse 12, the psalmist, he was rejoicing, really. He had felt the liberty of his burden of sin being rolled away. He might as well shouted, Hallelujah! 
This is what he said, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Praise God. As far as the east is from the west. Listen to what the prophet Micah said. In Micah chapter 7 and verse 19, he said, and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Hallelujah. Sweet Lamb of God, that's shouting ground. Praise God. I'm glad my sins are gone. Hallelujah. I said I'm glad my sins are gone. First John 1 and 7, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. I quoted on purpose the first half of, of Romans 6 and 23 two or three times already this morning. The Bible said for the wages of sin is death. But that's not the whole verse. Bible students already remember the rest of it. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I'm glad for mercy. I'm glad for grace. I'm glad for God's love. I'm glad he'll wash me. I'm glad he'll make me clean. I'm glad he'll take me to heaven. Praise God. Don't tell you. He won't take you if you don't want to go. He's not going to drag you kicking and screaming every step of the way. He's not going to let you live with one foot in the church, one foot in the world. You cannot be a servant of sin and a servant of God. You can't eat at the Lord's table and the table of devils at the same time. Come on, say amen. But the Bible said in 1 Peter 1, we're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot and without blemish. Romans 4, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Hallelujah. Actually, what Paul is doing is quoting from our verses in Psalms and Proverbs. Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I, uh, I might have been raised a little different some of you. We didn't use words like impute a whole lot in the house I was raised in. So I was curious. I wanted to know exactly what it meant. I didn't want any doubts. Impute. What does it mean? It means to calculate, to add up, to number, to count. Huh? Blessed is he whom the Lord will not add up his sin, will not calculate his sin, will not count his sin. You know why we're so blessed? When God don't count our sin, when our sin, he, he doesn't impute our sin. You know why he don't count it? Why he don't calculate? Why he don't add it up? It's not there anymore. Woo, come on now. It's in the depths of the sea. It's as far as the east is from the west, praise God. It's covered under the blood of his son. It's not there anymore, praise God. Somebody lift your hands and give the Lord a good praise. 
I'm glad it's not there. Hallelujah. When sin is covered by man, there's no forgiveness, no prosperity. Amen. God adds it all up and we're found without. Warning. Empty looking. Lost. Come on now. But when God covers sin, there's righteousness. There's redemption. There's holiness. There's forgiveness. And there is salvation. Praise God. Jesus is coming. And if he don't come, soon we're all going to die. Every one of us. Oldest person I ever met, I just preached revival in a church in eastern North Carolina. Sister just died last year. She liked one month living to be 108 years old. She was a black lady and lived in Wilson, North Carolina. I actually preached a camp meeting in Fort Myers in a black church. And this congregation from Wilson, North Carolina came to be a part of that meeting on a, on a bus. And that woman at that time was 103. And she rode on a bus all the way from North Carolina to South Florida. Come on now. 103. Boy, that's old. I ain't so sure I want to live to be that old. I don't know if I want to put up with all this that long. Come on, say amen. I'm kind of homesick just to be honest with you. Huh? I, don't, don't misunderstand me. I ain't looking for 13 reasons why. Huh? I ain't planning on checking out of here anytime soon. Huh? Oh, God. But I am looking for the Lord to come. The oldest woman I ever met in my life is dead. You're going to die too. I'm going to die. We might not make it till next July. Huh? We might not make. Listen, brother, brother Clyde left here from the last time I was here. This time I, I, I'm here, he's not, he's not sitting there. We're all going to leave. Huh? That's why it pays to be ready. You don't have to fight against it, struggle against it, dread it. Huh? You can be like Paul, for I'm now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. Come on, say amen. Praise God. You don't have, you don't, you don't have to live in fear and dread knowing God's about to judge you. You know I'm leaving here with my sin under the blood. You know the sobering thought about life is death. That's a sobering thing about living. Knowing all this living's going to come to an abrupt end someday. Listen, chances are as many people are in this building this morning, we're not all just going to get old and gray and slowly fade away in a nursing home or on a sick bed somewhere. Some of us going to leave here suddenly, unexpectedly, in a flash of time. That's why you got to be ready. That's why you got to get ready right now. What is the solution? What is the solution? The solution is the blood of Christ. Amen. How, how do we apply the solution to the problem? How, how do we get forgiveness? How do we find mercy? Bible said that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I'm going to close here. You can never be saved by trying to do good. You can only be saved the Bible way. The Bible way. 
you got to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. You got to do that. There's no, there's no loophole around that. With your heart, you got to believe that with all that is within you. And you got to turn from your sin, turn your back on sin and walk away. Nobody has to stand up over us and tell us when we're doing wrong. God made every one of us with a conscience. God deals with our conscience. He speaks to us. Come on, say amen. He deals with us. Come on, help me somebody. You got to, you got to repent. That word repent means turn around. Make a change. You got to take another direction. Praise God. If you'll do it, God will bless you. God will help you. Listen, in order to repent, there's some things that must take place in you. I think I've saw it on somebody's face in this service this morning. I really think I've saw concern, wonder. I really think I've saw conviction on somebody in this service. Let me tell you how it works. In order to repent, you must be sorry for sin. So if you're proud of it, it's not going to work. You can't just come join the church. You can be a member of the church and go to hell. If you're not sorry for sin, there's no repentance. And without repentance, there's no forgiveness. You've got to be sorry for sin. I think I've got a glimpse of that on somebody's face this morning while I was preaching. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 7 and 10, For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. Not to be repented of. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. Oh, I am your forgiveness, saith God. I am your salvation. Come to me. Turn your heart to me, saith the Lord, and I shall have mercy. My grace shall guide your life. If you will turn, saith God, refuse me not, but come unto me. Yea, experience my grace. Taste my mercy. Walk in my love, saith God. Doubt me not, saith the Lord. It is you. You are the one I love. It is you that I reach for this day, saith God. Come to me, yea, and I shall have mercy. Holy, holy, holy. Oh, God, hallelujah. Godly sorrow versus worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is deep remorse. It's conviction that comes from God that produces a change in our direction. It's godly sorrow. I've done it. I know I've done it. I confess I've done it. I'm sorry for doing it. And I ain't ever going to do it again. Godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow. That's merely regret. 
criminal breaks into your home, alarm goes off. Before he fills his sack up and gets out the front door, police are gathered around your house. SWAT team arrests him, puts him in handcuffs, and in the back of the squad car on the way to the jailhouse, worldly sorrow. I should have been faster. I should have picked a different house. Regret. It's a whole lot different from godly sorrow. Godly sorrow would say, I, I shouldn't have ever done this. What was I thinking? Why did I, I'm never going to do this again. Huh? I believe with all my heart you're here. Let me tell you how easy this is in Romans 10 and 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to stop. We had a teenager get saved last week. I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday night. Broken. Just came broken. I, I didn't preach nothing like this. Just broken. Weeping. Came before God. Stood and testified after the service about how wonderful God was to have such great mercy on her and save her from her sin. Why, to look at her, she, she could about been my grand youngin'. To look at her, she looked like an innocent little girl to me. But godly sorrow got a hold of her heart. Godly sorrow brought her to Christ. Godly sorrow helped her make a turnaround. I believe I've sensed that. I believe I've got a glimpse of it here this morning, right here in this service. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. As you stand, please, all over this house, would you stand with me? Bow your heads. Maybe, maybe the brethren come around to the piano and just play real soft if you would. Uh, I know you're here. I know with all my heart. I know God sent me here this morning for you. Now the Spirit of God has spoken. The Lord has reached down to us. And I've tried my best to preach the Word of God to you about sins covered. You've got two choices. You can keep trying to deal with it and keep it covered up yourself. Well, it feels good. I like it. I'm kind of ashamed, but really I'm not ready to change. You can continue right on in that way and never prosper. Never be blessed of God. Or you can bring your sin to the Lord and say, this is the real me, God. This is who I am. This is what I've done. You can confess it before Him. You can lay it at His feet. You can experience His love, His forgiveness, His mercy. You can go home more clean, more satisfied than you've ever been before. And you can live your life with victory in Jesus. Hallelujah.